Welcome to the Geek Geek Podcast, where it's time for Games of the Year. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beach. Woohoo! Something good about 2020! Yes, Games of the Year is always a fun episode to do. Um, so, before we get into it, I want to mention up front, this is always based on what we specifically played ourselves this year. So, it usually ends up most of the things that make it on our list were released this year in some form or another, um, but not always. Sometimes it's just this is the first year we played it, and it's a game from 15 years ago, or 20, or 35 and you just have to deal with that because it's our lives and that's how we do this thing um with, <laughs> it is. With that, yeah with that being said i wanted to mention up front that th- because of when we're recording this there's a couple games that are coming out in 2020 that i'm excited for that i haven't actually played yet so they aren't gonna qualify for this year but if they do end up being good they'll be next year so fuser immortals phoenix rising and cyberpunk 2077 are the three for me that kind of jump out do you have any like right. that that would be an obvious uh, include but like we're just very early in december as we're recording yeah cyberpunk and immortals are really it that uh, for me that i've been looking forward to and wanting to try and there's a stadia demo for immortals and uh, i really liked it right now i think it would have ended up uh, if i'd played all the way through it or at least bought it it would have been an honorable mention because of the way that they handled the story uh you get zeus and prometheus arguing back and forth where uh, they're squabbling and it actually changes the way that the things that are in front of you and the game mechanics uh based on the way that they're telling the story things will appear and change and it's great um i didn't like the controls but uh, it feels a lot like the an ubisoft uh, breath of the wild game so i'm looking forward to playing it when it goes on sale i know that after playing the the uh, demo of it that i will definitely want to play all the way through it and see that story play out but i don't like the controls enough to play through it at full price on on like normal difficulty but there is a story mode even in the demo so that's absolutely one i'm going to buy so i knew once just the demo knew that made me know that Cool. Yeah, I haven't even touched it yet. So, but I do have it pre-ordered. So I'm sure I will have thoughts about that when we return in the new year uh, with the next season, which is crazy that we're almost to the next season already. Yeah, okay, that's that's Ugh. the preamble. We made it through the preamble. Um, so the way this goes, we have a bunch of honorable mentions for stuff that didn't make the cut for our top five, and then both of us have a top five list that we run down, and that'll be it. That's the episode. So we got to get into honorable mentions right away because there's always a bunch of games here. Um, do you want to kick us off with some of your like board? tabletop type games yeah um earlier this year before everything kind of went uh, went crazy i joined a board game group uh where we met every week and played different board games so uh one of the ones that i was introduced to was wingspan and i had heard about it before but never actually had a chance to play it or knew anyone who had it and it's magnificent i didn't know that like collecting animals and collecting birds and building nests and things like that would be so fun but it is an absolutely wonderful time did you ever get to play that this year no i haven't played wingspan but i've i've watched people play it and i know people who play it so i know the game um i'm glad that you like it i know a lot of people like it and then there's arboretum which you had recommended uh, goodness gracious knows a long time ago and i finally picked it up and it is absolutely one of the best board games i've ever played uh i don't even know if it's a board game it's a card game it's a board game that you make with cards it doesn't feel like a card game so uh but it is absolutely fantastic and i've thought about buying the deluxe edition with the shiny cards on it if i keep uh fi- once i find a way to keep playing it with people 
Yeah, I think uh, Arboretum is slowly becoming one of my favorite like card games of all time or board games if you include them in there. I I love that game. Like my wife and I play that game a lot. We play it with our kids. Like it's just kind of like it's in the rotation now, but it's one that I don't ever see falling out of our rotation as a family, which is a really good sign. Yeah, it's just fun to play, especially once you get your mind around the uh the rules that you had talked about before. Then you had also recommended The Fox in the Forest, and I grabbed it, and Jennifer and I just fell in love being able to sit and play a two-player card game uh, where we could just play it really quickly, not have to use a lot of brain power, but be able to have strategy and still talk to each other. Like, we were able to spend time together and play that game, so it was really fun. We did buy the duets game. It's a, It was kind of an, a spinoff version of it where it was cooperative instead of competitive, but we never opened it. I don't know why. I don't know what happened, but it's still sitting on the counter where it came in. And I just, we just haven't opened it and played it yet. So uh, I'm going to, I know that one's going to be included because of how much I liked the original game. Yeah. Fox and I, I like both of those. I like Fox in the forest a lot. And I like Fox in the forest duet. They both have a different feel to them, but those are solid games all the way through. A couple of weeks back, you had talked to me about the D&D Adventure Begins game, uh, kind of like a board game version that was, I don't want to say dumbed down, but simplified and streamlined of the Dungeons and Dragons rules. And I got it, and uh, it one's, that one's really fun, too. Getting in Riley, my nephew, into it was, uh, enough of a pl- was enough to get it an honorable mention. Yeah, I mean, that that ties in really cleanly to like my board game and card game honorable mentions this year because D&D Adventure Begins is on my list also. And the reason is like it was fun. I enjoyed it um, as a game. I think it has a shelf life for my family. I could see us playing it in total, maybe like five, six times, something like that. And then it'll go on a shelf until, you know, somebody else comes around that we're like, oh, we should introduce you through this. But the reason that it's on honorable mansion for me and that it's such a solid game is that it gave me the confidence to start branching out into like actual tabletop role playing games. And like as the I feel like I can DM now. I haven't yet. I haven't done it for like D&D. I haven't done it for like a full heavyweight uh, role playing game, but I have started to pull a bunch of like lightweight one shot systems together. And I want to run a bunch of just like one shot RPGs with my kids over the holidays here and give it a chance because I feel like D&D Adventure Begins has given me the confidence to actually step into that DM role and start trying that over time. So for that alone, for giving me like that confidence, this game gets an honorable mention for me. And thinking about that, just to uh, just to, to really go into how important that particular aspect of it is, when we finished a uh, session with Riley the other day, he asked, after we finished this, it was a two-part adventure I'd put together, and he asked if he could DM the next part because he had ideas and wanted to, uh, to DM, and I'd given him some of the books and stuff, and he had read them and had real questions for me, so uh, he is going to do it. So that game gave him enough confidence that he wanted to try to dm at 10 years old and having read some of the uh, basic rule sets that i'd given him like it's yeah. a crazy good way to introduce people to this game 
It's a really, really good onboarding game. Um, and that kind of leads me to my one other board and card game. It's not that I didn't play many like board games, card games, tabletop games this year. It's just that not a lot of them were brand new or had a new experience, which is why yeah. they don't really appear here for me. Um, but the other one was Pandemic Pandemic Legacy Season 1, which I've played mm. before with my wife and my brother. But this was the year that we started playing it with my kids. And the four of us had such a good time as a family playing that game. And it was great, but we played it in like January and then we were slowly picking away at it in like January, February and then the actual pandemic hit and then we're like, you know, maybe we should step away from this game for a while and we haven't come back to it. So it's still a great game. It's just it doesn't really fit with 2020, but I have to give it a shout out because my family did have a ton of fun with it this year. Yeah, that was one of those where I wanted to actually get into that this year when I was uh, getting into the board game group. That was something I had hoped to be able to bring in and have that kind of legacy campaign. And I'd wanted to actually start playing two player pandemic with Jennifer at home because that was one of the reasons I bought it. And then a real pandemic came and we were like, nah, fam, nah. And yeah. uh, we just we just we just didn't. So, yeah, no, I understand. That makes so much sense. It's just it's a weird year to play a game called Pandemic Legacy. So, yeah, for um, real. which gets us into like our video game honorable mentions here. And uh, I kind of broke mine up into subcategories. You just have a small list. so I'll let you run through yours. <laughs> but before we get to the actual games, I have to give Xbox Game Pass another shout out here. Yes, because last year was the year where I was like, Ooh, I think this is going to be something interesting. I think this is going to click with me and be a good fit for me. And I had just subscribed to it and just started experimenting with Xbox Games Pass right as we were recording last year's episode. Now I've had a full 12 months with it, and it this is the year that it came into its own between the new consoles and the games they started releasing, all of the different publishers and like developers that they started picking up. Um, games Pass is just like that is the future of games for Microsoft. And it's amazing how far they've come in the last like 12 or 18 months here. So I just have to give that a shout out before we get into any individual games. Yeah, that's one of those where it is absolutely the reason I want to get an Xbox still. I have a PS5 and I'm still eyeing the Xbox Series X like, hey, how you doing? And it's only because of Game Pass. Like that is the entire reason that I'm doing that. Um, so I want to play those games on the Xbox. Uh, but it, it was absolutely going to be if the PS5 had kept kind of uh, messing up and doing the things at the very beginning, which which have been fixed, by the way. Uh, I haven't had nearly any issues with it, with it since our last uh, PS5 episode. Uh, I was really thinking about just buying the Xbox, taking it back, buying the Xbox and going with Game Pass because it's so fantastic. Yeah, it's it's a really good service. Um, but yeah, that kind of gets us to the games. So you have a couple here to run through. Yeah, like I realized going through this that I didn't play a lot of games this year. Like I didn't spend a whole lot of time in front of the TV and in front of uh, in front of a handheld like I thought I did um, as well as varied a time as I thought I had. Um you know, Mario 3D World is probably the first top mention that I have, the Wii U version, because when they announced that the Switch version was coming out, uh, I definitely re I realized that I definitely needed to play it. And so I got the 3DS version, Mario 3D Land, but I'll talk about it later because it actually made my top five. Um, but when I played through that one, it made me want to get the Wii U version of it. Um, so I'm going to play it and I can't wait for the Switch version. Like, it's a good game like it's your I favorite mario game. game isn't it yeah that's still my favorite mario game it's fantastic 
and maybe I just was in a better mood, liked the level design and land better or something, but it's a, it's a magnificent game. I love cat Mario so much. Um, also, honestly, I never thought I would say this, but Fortnite, uh, the Marvel season of Fortnite is really good. Like we are recording this the day I think that it ends. Uh, the Galactus live event was an hour and a half ago and I forgot about it. And so I didn't get in on fighting Galactus if it, uh, because it was at 3 PM, uh, it was at 3 PM central time and I missed it, but I never thought I would say Fortnite would be on my games of the year list, but the Marvel season was excellent. Yeah, that's uh, that's on my list, too, for honorable mentions. So I'll jump in here. I, I really like the season of Fortnite and this Marvel season cemented in my mind that I think Fortnite for me is now going to be a game like Final Fantasy 14, where it's like a, it's an evergreen game. It's a forever game. But it's not my only game, right? right? There are people that they only play Madden or they only play Fortnite or they only play Final Fantasy 14 or WoW or whatever. And that's fine. That's fine. People can, there's plenty of gamers like that and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just not who I am. But there are these games that I, I play really intensely for a period of time and then I step away from for a while and then I come back to regularly. And I think that having done this season of Fortnite, that's what's going to happen to me with Fortnite from now on is like I'll find a season that really clicks with me. I'll play for a good, you know, 10 ish weeks, however long the season lasts. And then I'll go away again for a while and then I'll come back later. And that's how I'm going to plan on playing Fortnite from now on. But it's definitely staying on my computer. It's staying installed like I was really impressed by it. And especially since you and your son were able to play through the entire uh, the entire battle pass together. That made a big yes. difference, I think, on being able to have long-lasting playability, that it wasn't just something that you were doing, and it wasn't just something that he was doing separately. It was a collaborative uh, quality time thing. Yeah, and it was it was a good mix, too, because it's like I would play, you know, hours and hours on my own. He'd play hours and hours on his own. And then there were times where we would just, like, sit together and, like, take turns or watch the other person or try to help someone, like, uh, accomplish an objective or whatever. So it was a really good mix. And, yeah, it was just great for that. Yeah, I can I can relate to that one. My nephew uh, got onto a game with me, wanted to level me up, found a big purple XP chip, uh, forced me over there, started jumping at it and yelling at me to grab that he that I needed to level up more. And it was just hilarious to me that uh, I'm usually the guy doing that and that uh, Riley was doing it to me. It was it was great. Like, that's, that's why funny. it's an honorable mention to me. It surprises me, but it is. And then, you know, for me going on, it's also Marvel Strike Force. I've mentioned it before. It's that mobile game, that five on five arena battler. I still play it every day. I may not play it like a long time every day, but I log on. I use my energy in the morning. I grab the the necessary shards that I want to grind up for. And then I go about my day. Sometimes I log back on and do a raid. Sometimes I turn it back on and uh, play through some blitz or arena or try to go further into like the end game stuff, the dark dimension stuff. Sometimes I don't do anything else and I don't even finish all the dailies, but I open it every single day. And I just had to mention it for that uh, because I haven't been actively playing it uh, like I was at the beginning of the pandemic. I ended up uh, moving it into the the honorable mentions, but it's one that uh, has turned into an 
and a forever game for me, kind of like Fortnite did for you, uh, just because I enjoy the base mechanic of it. No, I love finding games like that on mobile where you can like play a little bit every day and just feel like you're getting a little bit out of it, you know, because yep. there are people that like some of them border on addiction, but there's a certain level of game that you can find where it's like, you know, I can get into this. I can spend my 10 to 20 minutes with it every day, get what I want out of it and then put it down until the next day. And that's a really nice feeling to have. And amazingly, on a mobile game, I found a guild. Well, they're called alliances on there. I found an alliance that actually talks to each other and we do things and like actually speak. And it's just crazy. So I'm like, yeah, this is really cool. Uh, It's my morning routine. I get up, uh, make my breakfast, make my oatmeal and my coffee. I open Strike Force as I sit down, do my tapping as I eat my oatmeal and then move on. It's uh, that's awesome. I enjoy it. And then there's Mario 3D All-Stars. I didn't beat a single one of these, but I'm so glad that it it exists. Uh, Reminded me how good Super Mario Galaxy is, and I know we'll be going back through it for a long time. Yeah, I'm glad that game exists, too. It did not make my list, but I completely understand why it made yours, and I will also give it a thumbs up. Yeah, with with Jennifer having gotten so into Mario Galaxy a long time ago and me looking at Mario 64 as like my favorite game for so many years, it absolutely had to be on the list. And then, you know, World of Warcraft had to be an honorable mention this year. Uh, I moved it out of the um, it's it's strange. I moved it out of the top five uh, because the expansion Shadowlands just came out a couple of weeks ago. But I've had a harder time logging in uh, since then. Uh, I I was leveling up and getting ready for it. And uh, it's part of because of a game on my top five. So uh, I'll talk about it in a few minutes. But while Shadowlands is excellent and uh, i love the things that they're doing with the story so far i really can't wait to see where it goes like it's fun to play for the story and that's not something you say about world of warcraft yeah that's really cool that's a nice change of pace for a while too to have like a different reason that people are hooked on it like for story instead of some of the other stuff so cool no i'm glad that it worked for you um for me i subdivided my honorable mentions because that's the kind of person i am you guys should know this by now um here's my three categories, well, I'll just run through them here. So one is like the ongoing and iterative games, right? So um, this is stuff that like it's been around and this is, a, um, you know, expansions or it's it's a variation on a theme or it's not brand new to me this year. So the Hitman 2 DLC levels, I had just never gotten around to picking those up and I did this year and I spent a bunch of time with, it was only like two levels, but I fully 100% completed one of them and then the other one I messed around with a lot. I spent a lot of hours in it so those were super fun but again because it's not like a brand new thing it's just dlc um right. i kept it out of my top five but i really really like hitman 2 dlc now i will say that uh on on hitman the i started playing it again the other day that miles morales made me uh go back to uh hitman because i like the stealth stuff so much i downloaded it on ps5 from the playstation now thing that they did or playstation plus exclusive whatever they call it i downloaded that and played through some levels on hitman and then i found out that i could get some of the legacy levels in the hitman 2 because it had Hitman 1, you could download Hitman 1 levels in the Hitman 2 engine. And so I downloaded those, but I haven't played them yet. There's a whole weird thing going on with it, the way it downloaded. But uh, I have to say, you got me playing it too, uh, as well. Playing Hitman yeah. as well. So yeah, there. So that. 
Hit, I mean, Hitman 2 at this point is one of my favorite games of all time, and I'm extremely excited for Hitman 3 to come out here in like a month and a half. So yeah, um, again, the DLC, I wouldn't normally give DLC a shout out, but that's why it gets it, just because I love that game so much. Yeah. Um, the other two in this kind of like ongoing iterative section, uh, Hades 1.0, just because I had played that game right when it hit early access, and it's not actually all that different. It's just so refined. It's so polished. It's such a smooth game now. I, you know, beat the the loop once and then i realized you have to go through the loop like nine more times to get the whole story and i was i was enjoying my time with it so much that i did that so i actually saw credits on hades so yeah hades 1.0 gets a shout out there that's it still amazes me that that game ended up being on so many people's number one list oh well top of the year list and i've seen a lot of people talking on discord i think it was data error and capsule j and a few others in the esports channel saying that they expect hades to kind of win the number one spot of the year at the game awards i wouldn't be surprised to see it get a bunch of awards this year now that it's officially out because it's a really good game i just roguelikes aren't my favorite genre which is why it's not in my top five but it's definitely up there like i liked hades a lot and that is totally why I haven't played it. Like it's one where I will get to it because it's so popular for some reason and I just haven't done it yet. Yeah, it's a good game. It's a really good game. And then the other one here is Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Um, I'm, I've put a lot of time into it now compared to the last time we recorded and it's still a slow burn. Like I don't dislike the game. Otherwise I would have stopped playing it, but it's also not like it's not brand new. It feels like it is really a refinement of the last two Assassin's Creed games from Origin and Odyssey. Mm. It's like, yeah, this is the next iterative step, but there's nothing mind-blowing here. There's nothing that different. Um, it's just another one. And so it's it's not good enough to be on my top five, but I still like the game and I'm enjoying my time with it. And probably by the time we come back to record the first couple episodes of season two, I will have finished it, I'm hoping, and will have put way too many hours into it. And that's okay because I like the game for what it is. But again, it's just not like new and like groundbreaking to the point where it cracked my top five this year. And that that makes me so sad because I was really hoping this one would grab you like the other two haven't like their most recent two i guess i shouldn't say the other two but you know what i mean when they changed the formula so i'm i was hoping this one would have been able to do something that the others didn't yeah i'm hoping this is low-key like the end of that kind of trilogy ish games that are all yeah. very similar and the next time they do something newer and different so we'll see what happens um the the next subsection here of honorable mentions for me games that i played with my family um so Fortnite, we talked about that one already uh streets of rage 4 was a surprising one for me in here but mm-hmm. like i played a ton of streets of rage 4 with my both my kids and my brother like all four of us beat that game together and that was super fun even though it was only like two play sessions as a group but it just stuck in my mind as like one of my favorite experiences this year because it was such a fun group activity um and then microsoft flight simulator the yeah. 2021 that just came out and that was it was a combination of like I, it was kind of interesting for me to learn all the basics of flying a plane and to see how complicated it is in some ways and how simple it is in other ways. Um, but then the best time that I had with it was when my brother and I just got on Discord together and we like flew around together. So that's <laughs> why, I mean, that's why that one cracked like the list here and my honorable mentions is like he and I flew around to all the places we knew, like around, you know, the Twin Cities area and we just flew together and that was, that was super fun. So that, yeah, that Microsoft just sounds Flight delightful. Simulator. It was. It was good. It was not what I typically think of as a game. But, you know, again, honorable mention here. And it's um, on and Game then, Pass for anybody else who wants to do that. It is. It is on Game Pass, which is another reason that I tried it. 
Um, and then my last subsection here is biggest surprises of the year that still weren't good enough to make it to my top five, but they were really big surprises for me. So one of them is Crackdown 3. This is the game that most exceeded my expectations this year out of literally everything that I played. Mm. Um, I remember mm. liking Crackdown 1. I remember not really liking Crackdown 2. But when I got Game Pass at the end of last year, um, you know, I it wasn't until we got into like January-ish that I actually started digging through the backlog of games there. And Crackdown 3 was one of the ones that I was like, oh yeah, I forgot this game even existed. And I loved that game. Like I played through the entire game. I, I didn't, whatever the platinum equivalent is on Xbox, I didn't get that. But I did go through and I did like everything on the map. I beat all the things. Like I just had such a good time with Crackdown 3. And it completely exceeded what I was expecting from it. Yeah, I understand that. I love when games do that. Yeah, that was really good. Um, And then Genshin Impact is here because it seems like it came out of nowhere. I remember seeing like a 30 second trailer of it at one of the game shows or Mm -hmm. E3 or, you know, digital something. But yeah, I mean, for being the first big mainstream game to come out in the West from China, like that's why that one is on the list here. Like we just haven't seen Chinese developers make it to the Western markets in the past very often. And if they do, it's low key. This is the first like really big success that you can point to and say Genshin Impact made it in the West and it's a Chinese developed game. We're going to see more and more of that over time. But because it was the first one, it was a surprise and it felt like it came out of nowhere. So that definitely gets a mention here. And people are still playing it that I know that there are people logging in every day. They've got a big update coming out really soon if it didn't just drop. And I think that uh, this one's going to stick around for a good long time. Um, And then the last one of my biggest surprises is uh, good Sudoku because I'd played Sudoku before in the past. And uh, I don't know. It was always kind of a mixed bag for me. Like I kind of liked the game. I understood the basics. I never really got into the advanced stuff. And good Sudoku just visualized it in a way and like made the gameplay in a way that like um, made it excellent for me yeah so yeah it just it clicked and like it was such a good daily game for like a couple months yeah i don't know it i don't even know what to say about it it's still sudoku it's still sudoku at its core but there's something about that game that like it worked for me and i liked it a lot and it made sudoku good like i remember when you were talking about this originally and you're like this game is good sudoku that's that's what it is it's good sudoku it is what it is. Like, it's not more than that. It's just, it's Sudoku, but it's good. They they made it good. They fixed it. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where we land for our honorable mentions this year. Uh, before we get into our top five list, don't forget that you can leave a review. Um, we're not going to plug all the things because we don't do that at these end of the year episodes, but we do ask for reviews because we don't ask for those very often, and they make a huge difference in people finding the show, right? Y'all know, because you're podcast listeners, that when you're looking for a new show, if it has low ratings, you read them. It's like, oh, I don't know about that, because uh, that's what you all sound like. And so we really don't want people to do that on our show. So go and tell them how fantastic we are. And if you don't think we're fantastic, then you can say that too. I mean, that's your opinion. But they do help. They really do. People look at them for real. They help a lot. We appreciate them. Um, And then I always leave a spot here in case I have special guests, which I might this year. I think I will. So if I do, they will be right here. I am here with my first special guest, who is my son, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you picked out three games of the year this year for us? Yes. Yes. Are you excited about them? Yes. What are we going to go three to number one? Three, two, one? Yes. Okay, so what is number three for you? Um, Valorant. Why is Valorant one of your games of the year? 
because um, I like to unlock new characters. I like to use the special abilities. And also, um, I like to plant the spike and, like, diffuse the spike. And, like, I like to figure out where it is. Yeah. The spike is. So the spike is, like, the bomb that gets planted in the game, right? Yeah. And is it fun that you, like, get to compete against other people and, like, plan the strategy of where you're going to do the spike or not do the spike? Um, yeah. Um, there isn't really, like, chat, though. Yeah, but you like it, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. So what's your number two? Um, Fortnite. What about Fortnite? Um, I like the new Marvel season. Yeah. Um, and their superpowers. You and I play that together, right? Yeah. Um, and we finished the battle pass. We did. We got past level 100, didn't we? Yes. What was your favorite character of the season? Mm, I like Groot. I like Groot a lot. Did you like Groot Groot or did you like when we got the silver foil Groot? I am Groot. You are also my son, but also Groot, sure. So what was your number one game then? Um, I like playing Among Us. Among Us. That's very <laughs> chic and hip and popular with kids in your grade right now, right? Yeah, it's the um, third most popular game in the world. Wow. I knew it was very popular. So what do you like about it then? Um, I like to play with my friends when I do it on calls. Yeah, it's a good social game for kids, right? Yeah. What else? Um, I like to be the imposter. <laughs> and that's when you're the bad guy and you get to take other people out, right? Um, yeah. Okay. And I like to sabotage. <laughs> when you're the imposter, right? Yeah. So, like, um, you can, like, close doors and you can sabotage the lights, which means, like, you don't really get to see much. And you can sabotage comms or communications. Yep. Which is, like... You can't see where your tasks are or like what or like your task bar. And then you get to vote people out at the end of each round, right? Um, there isn't really rounds. It's just that when you call an emergency meeting or you report a dead body. Yes, and then you vote people out. Uh, yeah. Okay. But you can vote for a skip and um, if um, it is a skip, then um, like nobody gets voted out. But that's your game of the year? Yes. Okay, good. That's awesome. Thank you for being on the show. I am Groot. I'm here with my second special guest this year. It is my daughter, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's you. That's you. You brought three games also to share with us. You have your top three of the year? Yep. Do you have them in order from three, two, and one? Uh, yeah. Are you going to build that tension like a real podcaster as you <laughs> count down to one? Yes. Okay. So what's your number three? Minecraft. What about Minecraft? Because you've been playing this game for years. So what made it good this year specifically? Okay, so there's two updates. Well, there's a nether update. Okay. Um, that like adds biomes and new mobs and new features to the nether. Yeah. Because the nether used to be like very boring. Okay. And then the caves and cliffs update, which isn't out yet, but I'm excited for it. Okay. So it's it's like the live service, the fact that it's updating and there's new stuff. That's what you were excited by. Yeah, and then there's also foxes. Did they add those this year? Yes. Okay. Snowy foxes and forest and taiga foxes. Yes, you're a fan of foxes. Is there anything else you did in Minecraft that was exciting this year? Well, something that's always exciting is cre is creative mode. Yep. Creative mode is always fun. Yeah, you always have fun with that. And doing stuff with your friends on servers, right? 
Ooh, I'm talking about friends. Um, my friend told me about seed six six six. Okay. Which is just a spawn point, and there's a bunch of biomes by you, and then a village, and an, and one of those new ruined portals. Cool. So a bunch of new stuff is what's exciting. Yes. Awesome. Anything else in Minecraft you want to hit on? There's well, these were always here, but me and my brother couldn't play them until this year it was servers yes with like custom game modes and custom games yeah, and stuff yeah did it what was your favorite of those because you guys tried a bunch i think i like mindplex which mindplex one is that? and hive i watched a bunch over your shoulders but i don't know the names of them which one was mindplex what are you doing it mindplex has the most of the games okay so like mini games and stuff yeah awesome very cool okay so what's your number two my number two is Bug Snacks. So this one is very recent. This just came out at the same time the PS5 did, and you've been playing it on the PS5. Yeah, and I also like changed this last minute. Yeah, because you were so excited about it, because you've been having fun. So yeah. I don't think we've even talked about it on the podcast. So the basics of Bug Snacks is you're on an island, and you have to like look through your camera and scan these Bug Snacks, and then you can try to capture them, and you have to capture them in different ways for each snack, right? Yeah, and... The and bug snacks is actually what they are because it's like a bug that's based on a snack. Like one of my favorite ones is a bunger. Yes, which is basically a cheeseburger ant or or spider, and it goes like bunger, 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 bunger. Yeah, it has little <laughs> like French fries for legs as it moves around. It's yeah. really funny. And then also in the desert area, which I don't think that you've seen, there's um a barbecue bunger. Oh. With curly fry legs. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> and it just charges at you, which is kind of weird. All right. What else about it do you like? The slingshot of condiments. Yes. So I've seen this over your shoulder again as I've walked by. So it's like you have a slingshot, but you can sling different sauces and different condiments in general, right? Yeah. Like there's peanut butter. There's ketchup, hot sauce, ranch and you, chocolate you can like lure bugs out with it or cover them in it right yeah and that's also how you get to catch bungers you just you do catch up on both of them and then you lead each other to them and then they'll bonk each other because they're trying to eat each other and then you can catch them with your net <laughs> that's awesome anything else in bug snacks that really sticks out just the characters in general um also in the beginning the very one of the very first characters that you meet is Philbo. Um, in the beginning, Philbo says, "Like, well, I'm dying out here, so." <laughs> so he's funny in yeah. the way that he talks yeah. to you. He's also like asking, "Hey, can you help? I'm dying." I I like him because of his tone, not because of the fact that he says he's dying. And I like that he appointed himself the mayor. That makes me laugh too. <laughs> yeah, I like his sash. It's cute. Yeah, he's a funny character. So mm -hmm. that brings us to your number one. What is your number one? Among Us. Among Us. So you're, this was your brother's number one, too. Oh, okay. So they already know information about it. They know the basics, but why do you like it specifically? That's what the people are here for. They want to know your thoughts. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's mostly being the imposter and facts about being the imposter. Okay. Like sabotaging. Yeah. You could just go into your menu of sabotaging and then click on something. You can close doors and like reactor meltdown <laughs> and delete oxygen and turn off the lights and destroy the comms. So it gives you a socially acceptable way to be a bad guy with your friends? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's fun. But I mean, mostly you've been playing with your friends, right? 
Yeah, which is one of the reasons I like it. Yeah. It's like a it seems like it's a very social game for you guys. Yeah, it is. And then also just venting is a very interesting thing. So there's vents scattered around the map. Yep. And if you're the imposter, you have the option to go into a vent if you're nearby it. Yep. And then there's like a chain of vents and you can click the arrows to go to a different vent and then pop out. So it's like secret passages for the imposter. Yes, but the problem is if somebody sees you vent, it's like a big uh-oh. Okay, so someone could accuse you of venting, but then you could accuse them of venting right back, right? I guess. You could play those social games in your head. <laughs> yeah. And then something that proves that you're innocent for everything is medbay scan. Okay. Which is something in the place medbay. Yeah. And it's like a scan thing that like does like your coding things. And if people see you do it, it's like, like if I was orange, they would say like, like in the next dead body reported or emergency meeting there, they would say like, I saw blank do medbay scan. Okay. So you like all of the dynamics of the mechanics is what it sounds like and how it all works together. Yeah. And something funny about it is when you're the imposter and you kill another and you kill crewmate. Yeah. It's like the lower half of their body with just a bone sticking out of the middle. Oh, no. <laughs> and then uh, another f a fellow crewmate can report the body or an, or an imposter. An imposter can report the body. Okay. And then also if there's any other dead bodies that nobody knew about, you can just... So it sounds like there's a lot of different social dynamic stuff going on. So yes. it's, it sounds like it would be a really good game with friends. It is. Okay. Awesome. Thank you for being on the show. Okay. Goodbye. And we're back, hopefully, from a special <laughs> guest. Um, that gets us to Games of the Year. So uh, do you want to kick us off here with your number five? Yeah. So, like... I realized that as as we were writing this and everything that that I moved WoW off of my top list because I actually put Neverwinter on there of all games like the old well I shouldn't say old it's like four years old MMO because I recently got so into D and D that I went and started playing Neverwinter and they have made so many tweaks to this game they have made so many adjustments and things that that make the game easier to play and so I was like I liked it when I was playing it on my computer but Austin told me that he had installed it on the PS4 a long time ago and played a bunch and when I did that it's the only MMO I've ever played that is way better with a controller it is 10 times better with a gamepad. It just works better. And so I've been playing it a lot. I've gotten to like level 74 out of 80, just kind of casually doing it. And I even paid for the VIP thing for a month uh, because I liked it so much that uh, this is a really, really good game that has a story in it and doesn't feel like an MMO anymore. That, that you get companions that you can go through and solo all the content. And there are quests and campaigns campaigns as you go through that link up with all of the D&D hardcover stories uh, like the new Baldur's Gate one and uh, like some of the dragon ones that have come out and uh, Acquisitions Incorporated the podcast uh, Penny Arcade podcast show like it's just really really good and they've made it so much better than they have over the 
than it was when it started that I've played this more than WoW uh, recently because it's still WoW and this is new and fresh. Uh, so I guess that's what really gets is that this is new and fresh and it's a really, really good game. Yeah. I'm, so the interesting thing about this one is like I'm looking at your list. You know, obviously we can see each other's show notes here. And this is the only one that surprises me that it's on your list. Like I would not have put this on your list. And I feel like you've been talking about playing it, but like low key and just like, oh, yeah, I'm still playing that. Or, oh, I did this thing in it. Right. Um, you hadn't ever done like a deep dive this year on why you liked it. So it kind of caught me by surprise that this is that high on your list for you. It's so it's another like, one where I find myself logging in every day. That okay. even if I don't that, that's play what I was gonna ask, like what part of it is it that it, that made it all the way up to your number five? It It's one of those games that has compelled me to log in every day, even if I don't need to do anything where just playing around. I've enjoyed doing the dailies. It's there's just something about the way that they changed the game to be slightly more accessible that makes me want to log in and make sure that I don't miss one of the login bonuses or something like that, where I may not even play it, but they I'll log in a time or two to do the like God's blessing that you do uh, at at bonfires and shrines. Uh, it's just, yeah, I haven't talked about it that much because I don't really have a lot to say because I haven't really dived deep into the meat of the game. Like I haven't done any of the, of the like dungeon, the end game dungeons. I've done leveling dungeons and things. And it's just, it feels kind of like Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance back, uh, back when that was on the PS2 and Xbox, the original Xbox, um, where it feels like a D&D game, but it's just an action game that you can run through, interact with these characters, uh, and see these kind of cool dungeons and go to these, like, iconic places like you get to interact with uh drist and and elminster and just all the the kind of forgotten realms characters that are in the books and novels that i grew up with and uh it's just they made it a lot better of a game where it feels like an action D D game like i've been wanting like Baldur's gate dark alliance really it just happens to be online Cool. Okay. Yeah. I just had to ask because it surprised me, but I'm glad that you liked it that much, especially with how much you've been getting into D&D stuff this year. Yeah. And I'm, number four for me is a real departure and it's a game. Well, this, hang on now. What sure. about my number five? Okay. I thought we were doing it like that. <laughs> I actually couldn't remember what, what way we did them. So <laughs> this is how we do them. We jump back and forth. Um, so my number five, we got to, you build the tension, right? Podcasting content creation 101. You got to build the tension <laughs> up to number one for both of us. That's true. Um, I'm, I'm leaving in that snort laugh that you just had. The <laughs> number five for me is Spider-Man Miles Morales. And right. I was kind of surprised that this made the list for me, especially after something like um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla didn't, right? Whereas Assassin's Creed Valhalla, it's like this is an iteration on a theme and like I'm liking it, but it's just kind of more of the same. Um, Miles Morales is in a lot of ways it's more of the same from spider-man of the 2018 game but like that game was just so good and miles morales is so good and it makes all of these like smart little changes about it that just add up to more than the sum of its parts right um if i were to just list out the features and say here are the things that are different it sounds like it's not a ton and in some ways that's true but like when you're actually playing it it just it's so fun 
and they add up to an already an amazing game it just adds that extra level of polish right everything you and i talked about with like the neighborhood spider app mm-hmm. and miles's family and just being in a different setting at a different point in life and miles as a character and then all of his like unique move set all of that totally worked for me 100 percent. so it's like that's what kind of added up to get spider-man miles morales to number five on my list that being said that's why it is number five and like not a right. number one is because spider-man was like i think that was number one the year that it came out for me if not it was right up near number one number two because that yeah. game is so good but because it's a sequel because it's an iteration right that's why it's number five and not higher on my list and i didn't include miles for two reasons one because when I was making my list and writing everything out, I didn't do it in one place and forgot to include it in these documents as opposed to other places I've written stuff down on my notes. So there's that. Uh, there's also that I didn't play much of it, that I've actually watched Jennifer play more than I've actually played. Uh, I've done more side missions and she's done the main story. And so it is a magnificent game. I think it is. I think it's brilliant, and everything that you said is right, and that it's the game. It's the game that we need right now. Uh, really, it's just feel good in all the right in all the right ways. But I didn't play much of it, so that's why it's not on my list more than anything else. Fair, yeah, it is a really good game. I like that game a lot. Um, and then I know I said we were going to jump back and forth, but I'm going to go with my number four for a specific reason that you'll <laughs> see here in a minute. Yeah. Um, but so number four for me is Maneater. And this is the game that this is like the best seven out of 10 game that I've played in years. That's the way that I would describe this game. It knows what it is. It's not more than the sum of its parts. It is exactly the sum of its parts. And that's where the game stops. Like you are a shark. It is an open world. You can go around doing shark things and evolve your shark and make him more powerful and customize his fins. And do you want electric fins or poison bites or like whatever? And then you can go around eating a bunch of people and like attacking beachgoers and blowing up ships. And it's the same thing over and over. It's a very open world formula. For most people, you would see this game, you'd play it for a bit and you'd be like, yeah, that's like a seven out of 10. But it's, it's one of those seven out of 10 games that like, if it works for you, it just works for you 100% all the way and it becomes a 10 out of 10. And that's what happened to me with this game. I went in with, right. I don't even know what I expected, but it blew my expectations out of the water. I got to be a shark. I got to eat a bunch of people. It was a ton of fun. Like, <laughs> it was just. It, I know, this, I know, I know. I'm laughing because I yeah. know, I know. Just the way that you put it, the, the, the joy that this brings you is why I'm laughing. <laughs> This game brought me so much dumb joy, but it was true joy, right? And I knew it as I was experiencing it. I was like, this is exactly what it's trying to be, but it just clicks for me. It just works for me. So yeah, there's no way that Maneater doesn't make my you know games of the year list. It is my number four without a doubt at all. And this this game is already going on sale. Like like th- is it? Yeah, it was thirty five. It was thirty nine dollars when it came out, I believe, uh, or maybe it was forty nine. But it wasn't a sixty dollar game when it came out, and it was twenty five to twenty nine. Some recently, so it's getting into that area where people who are still not sold after you have given this kind of glowing, joyful, delightful, uh, delight filled review to it, it's getting into that. Okay, I'll try it for that price price range. Uh, so I am so excited to have more people, myself included, play this game and experience this. 
yeah, it was worth the whatever opening price was for me, which I think was like, yeah, I think you're right. I think it was like 40 bucks or something. But yeah, if it's down in the like 10, $20 range, especially with holiday sales, do not hesitate. Go be a shark and eat a bunch of people. It's tons of fun. So yeah, that's my number. <laughs> that's my number four. Um, what's your number four? Uh, my number four is included because it surprised me. Um, Final Fantasy VII Remake is my number four this year, um, mainly because I didn't think I was going to like it. I was surprised at the demo that it was as good as it was, but I didn't get this at release. I didn't think it should have existed. I'm still hesitant on whether or not it should exist, but whether, uh, but playing through it, it absolutely is worth the time playing through it. I've not gone back to it. I didn't go back and do any more of the achievements or side stuff that I thought I was going to, but as a game, as a story, as a production, Final Fantasy VII Remake is exceptionally well done and even though i don't like nomura the uh the as a i don't even want to say i don't even want to say content admin like a, a designer a developer uh everything that producer everything that he does i think that there's enough great things in terms of the story on this one that uh, i can't wait for the second one to see what they're doing with this overall narrative that it's it's really good, and I I will eat crow and uh, say that uh, the bad things I was saying about it are absolutely not. I, I was wrong, straight up. Well, and so the reason that I called an audible in the middle of us starting and I switched the order there is because your number four is my number three. Right. So Final Fantasy VII Remake is my next one is my number three. Um, and so we can talk about it together here. It it's my number three because. It's not just the game itself, right? Like, right. I like the game. I thought it was a really good game. It was a solid AAA game. You know, it was remaking the core of the story from FF7. Um, the reason that it's so high on my list is because, like, there's just no universe in which this game should exist. Like, it, it shouldn't... <laughs> they should not have done this. Like, I right. don't know how this game got greenlit, right? You would think if they were going to make a remake, it would be the same game, same game systems, just polished up. This is a completely new game from the ground up. Like, just, they did the whole thing over again, and they're telling kind of the same story, but also not really. And they twisted it in a way at the end where, like, they can really take it some interesting places now with the next one in this series. Um, it is essentially its own series separate from Final Fantasy VII, which is just yeah. crazy to me. Or... In, maybe it's an alternate reality. Maybe it's more of a sequel to FF7 than anything else. Even though it was called Remake, it could almost be called like sequel or alternate dimension sequel. Um, the re it, colon mix. It's it's yeah yeah. Like the 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 storyline itself is fifty five ish hours long for me. And the I got through this part of Final Fantasy VII on the Switch in two hours. So I yeah, mean, like that sounds you, about right. When you talk about them taking it and twisting it and uh making something completely new out of it they truly did in the best way but i still wonder why it exists like you like i don't know why it exists you know they took a ps1 area like very blocky polygonal like turn-based strategy like not a strategy but rpg game and they turned it into an action rpg with like top tier production values in 2020 it's just there's no world in which this game should exist but it does and it's still good yeah. and even though it's retelling a story that we've all known for 20 years at this point it still manages to be amazing and 
it, it's all of that, right? That's why I give it the credit to get it all the way up to my number three. Yeah, I mean, really, that is exactly it. To make it my number four is me admitting that a game I didn't want to exist turned out to be one of the best experiences I had this year. Uh, it was a very big surprise for me. Ah, so good. Okay, what's your number three? Uh, number three is actually Dungeons & Dragons. Um, Austin got me back into D&D. He got some uh, some books, the Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus, and the starter set uh, sent to him for work. Uh, from Wizards of the Coast and so he was talking about it and you know that kind of thing totally works because I've spent about 250 to $300 on D&D books since then myself um, because I forgot how much I loved this that uh, last year or the year before earlier this year everything blurs together I don't know when this happened uh, I was trying to go into Adventurers League here in town with some people and uh, wanted to play it then. Uh, things ended up not working out, and I just am so glad that I got into it again. I mean, tonight, after we record this, I'm doing a geek to geek stream on uh, our Twitch channel uh, with some folks uh, for Giving Tuesday to see if we can raise the a little bit of more money for Extra Life. Um, I really just forgot how much I liked Dungeons and Dragons, how I grew up as a teenager reading these books, uh, playing the game when I was in college, and then constantly coming back to it. Um, and then recently, like you, Austin, my wife, everybody knows that whenever I get into one of my moods, I kind of go all in. And I think I'm going all in on Dungeons and Dragons right now because I wanted to do it a couple of years ago and couldn't and now between the virtual tabletops the the like roll 20 and uh, fantasy grounds and the pandemic where people are actually looking and wanting to play tabletop games online because we can't do it as a group most of the time um, it's really provided that that place for me to get into it like I wanted to. Uh, so I am really excited to see what's going on. And I started playing back like two weeks before they released their brand new source book, uh, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, which has just some fun stuff in it, like Twilight Clerics and uh, like Shadow Clerics, basically, and like Psy Warriors, where they're essentially Jedi for fighters. Like it's really, really cool stuff they're doing with it. So I'm excited to explore it more. Sweet. Yeah, no, I'm glad that you got back around to it this year and that it has clicked with you so much because like you said, I know you tried to get into it a couple years ago. Um, not that you hadn't in the past, but right. like you try to get back into it, you know, as more of an adult and less of like college and before and tried to get and, into the new edition of it as well. I lost right. my fourth edition group when we moved. So that was a big part of that as well. So it's it's great that like you managed to get into it. And it's interesting that it was just so recent because it's like without the ability to get in person with people mm -hmm. um, that almost freed you up to get back into it virtually in a way that probably wouldn't have happened without the pandemic. Yeah, probably not. And I'm feeling the stir craziness from the pandemic because I work at home. Uh, my car is dead, so I can't go anywhere under my own power without being reliant on taking my wife to and from work if I wanted to do anything during the day. And uh, on just my friends and everything not being here in general, um, it just did. It it tied. It came in perfectly together like that where uh where i can actually play it and i'm just i'm really really excited about uh doing it and i wanted to say 
as I'm talking about this, as y'all are listening to this, there are members of the geek to geek community getting involved in these games. Like we're doing this together. This isn't just a me and some people y'all don't know uh, kind of thing. Um, Air Troll is joining us tonight. Uh, Mario Michael is running a once a month campaign with a bunch of us. Bama Shocks uh, has his has his own actual play called King of the Heel that he does all the time does it every week multiple times and streams it on his twitch channel uh, he's playing all these other campaigns like we have listeners joining in on this as well so hit up our discord and uh, look at the uh, tabletop gaming channel because there's a lot going on with this across the network and community right now too yeah there's a lot going on on discord lately in the community it seems like you know as we started the network and this is a tangent but it's a a worthwhile one agreed um you know we kind of went on all the platforms all the time because we just wanted to be available for people you know um twitter instagram facebook uh we did reddit for a long time which we don't really do as much anymore um you know we did slack we did discord we did a little bit of everything and it's been interesting to see like the community kind of self-select the platforms that people are participating on and as that's happened we've slowly started cutting out other platforms and we're kind of down to like twitter for like individual interactions just Mm -hmm. because our you know our dms are always open basically um but outside of that it's like discord is really like the place where everybody's super active and then slack is kind of the secondary one yeah um so yeah if you guys are looking for places to connect with community and just have people actively talking almost every single day or pretty much all day every day yeah um discord is a really good place to go I think the pandemic also had something to do with us choosing those platforms because a lot of us are using Slack for work and a lot of people had to get into that and learn how to use Slack for work. Discord opened up their own kind of uh, templating system where you could join and make communities with set channels immediately just with a couple of clicks. Uh, So a lot of people have been at home and getting a lifeline to other people through these pieces of uh, productivity software and community software. So it kind of makes sense to me that because people are doing it for pretty much every kind of work and play that they're doing, that ours also exploded like that. And uh, like we've been getting... I've been adding new moderators. We've added staff. Like I realize this is a tangent, like you said, but it really has grown into kind of a games of the year kind of thing because it's uh, that's what we're talking about all the time. Heck, like I said earlier, we're discussing the games of the year on one of the channels and and like having that discussion amongst ourselves there. So it's like it's great, and y'all can play with us and talk to us all the time there. Yeah, and so if we didn't say it up front because that was a random tangent uh, that was not planned, I think all the links the easiest way. To get them is just go to geek to geekmediacom right yeah, it's in the header if you go to geek to geekmediacom it will take you there i think the geek to geekmediacom slash discord uh will take you and redirect you there um geek to geekmediacom slash slack discord is the actual site just because i wanted people to be able to find it easily um but yeah as soon as you get there you can click on the links and uh, it'll send you to where you need to go perfect which brings us back to our games of the year um so <laughs> we were on uh number two so Uh, Why don't you go for number two? Well, number two is Super Mario 3D Land, a like, I don't know, what, 10, eight, nine-year-old 3DS Mario game? Something like that, yeah. Um, Like, it's super good. It's, I think, my favorite Mario game now. I haven't played a Mario game that just clicked 
like this in years. And it's not that the Mario games have been bad because they're Mario games. They're awesome. Like I even went back and found the joy of Mario Odyssey because of this game. Like the way that this game is put together is is like you've said before, it feels like a 3D Mario game, but it has levels that have been specifically designed for execution like the side-scroller Marios. And I think that it works the best on the 3DS like this because of the simplicity. Mario 3D World is slightly more complicated than this one because it's on the Wii U and it's a full console release. Because this one was the very first one and they were learning how to do this and the 3D Land has to be a little simpler because of the hardware, I think it just felt more accessible and just more inviting in a lot of ways because you didn't have a ton of power-ups. You only get like three power-ups across the entire game, but you get some of the hardest Mario platforming I've ever done in the like second round of levels. Once you get, uh, once you beat the first eight worlds, it opens up basically these, uh, Oh, so now you've beaten the tutorial kind of levels. Um, super, super duper fun. It opens up the real game. Yeah. That's really what it is. And they're hard. Like they're like super Luigi bros, hard, super Luigi bros, Wii U hard? Yeah, like whatever the Luigi one is, like where it's super hard, that's the way these levels are. Well, so that's my second favorite Mario game ever. And again, it goes back to the fact that like Super Mario 3D Land and Super Mario 3D World are really variations on a theme. Like you said, they are very similar. Um, They learned a bunch from 3D Land and they used all that in 3D World. But the 3D World levels are a little bit more open, a little bit um not tougher it's just different because they're designed to be able to have four players or one player Mm -hmm. whereas 3d land is like entirely single player and like you said the hardware is different too so there's implications there um the only reason that 3d land is not my like number one and is my number two for mario games is because 3d land has those eight worlds you have to beat before you get to the really fun stuff that's really challenging in like the second half of the game yeah um yeah, but like you said, once you get there, it just it feels amazing. Yeah, it really does. Like I think that uh, like you said that simplicity that uh where they had to limit it to one person, I think that's what I what drew me to it and what makes me keep going back instead of the sl- and it's not even sprawling. I was going to say slightly more sprawling, and that's not even the right word. Just that slightly larger feel to those levels feels a little too much of the 3D Mario that I wasn't in the mood for. So going back to it at any given time, I may feel the same way next year when I go through 3D World on the Switch. Yeah, that that totally makes sense to me. Um, my number two is the biggest surprise on my top five it for really me. It really is. And I I don't know how, like, just, you know, as you're making your mental list, um, you know the things that are going to pop up to the top. Like, for me, my number one has been my game of the year basically since I played it, and nothing has knocked it off, yes. so it's not a surprise to me. You know, Maneater, there was no way that was not going to make my top five after how much joy I had with it when I first played it. Um, and then there are other things where it's, like, vaguely, I'm like, yeah, FF7 Remake, like, that was pretty good. That's probably going to be my top five, you know? And then a couple other games that I was like, okay, something here is competing for number five, and, you know, Miles Morales was in the running. None of those was surprising to me. But as part of doing our top five uh, games of the year i always go back and i look through every single show note from the entire year just to see if i'm not thinking of something right that's my preamble to tell you that my number two is magic the gathering jump start yep i super like, surprises it, to me like super surprising it to me. is 
so good. It is so good. I still haven't even played the physical version of it because they ran out because it was so popular and it was in the middle of a pandemic and they couldn't print enough. Oh my but goodness, I really? Played... You still haven't? No, I still haven't. I've only played this on Magic the Gathering Arena, but it... I don't know if it like retroactively ruined other magic for me because it's so good. And I love Mm. this format so much. Like I've talked about how like deck building is just not something that I enjoy in magic. And this gives you just the slightest touch of deck building without actually making you sit there and like grind through building a deck on your own. Um, The basic premise, if you guys don't remember, because I talked about it such a long time ago, is you have all of these booster packs that are like half decks and each one has a theme, right? So you might have a theme that's like trees or walls or people or unicorns or rainbow. Um, it can be like a, a mechanic. It can be a group. So maybe it's goblins or maybe it's like plus one tokens. <laughs> and each one of these constitutes half of a deck. And so what you do is you get a selection of all these half decks and you pick two that look interesting and you mash them together. And without even looking at the decks you shuffle and you play and that's the entire format so you get to pick the flavor of deck that you're gonna have by taking these two half decks and melding them together but you are reacting in the moment you don't have to agonize over the cards the deck is already balanced in itself because it has lands built into it with all the other cards along with the mana curves that are already built in it takes all the friction out of deck building but it gives you all the thrill of like choosing your own theme and then experiencing the inner the interactions of magic on the fly and just reacting in the moment yeah like i can't explain how much i love this format and how how much like heads above every other magic format that i've ever played this one is for me this one sounds just lovely i haven't played it myself i need to get onto arena and do it when they're having one of the events but this one absolutely sounds like something everybody can get into, and that's the entire point. They released it at the perfect time, uh, for the, especially for Arena, whenever we're all stuck at home and need something just accessible and fun to do. It's that, and I cannot wait to get into it. I just have to install Arena again. I can't wait till it comes to the phone so I can play it uh, and just think about it more often. Well, I liked it so much that when it came out that it was only a limited format on Arena and that it was going to go away for a while. What happened was I was playing every day. Like, I was playing Magic Arena every day before Jumpstart came out. And then Jumpstart came out, and I was having so much fun with it that I was playing more than I had been playing before. But I was only playing Jumpstart because that's where I was having so much fun. And then when the Jumpstart event went away and I looked back at going back to Standard, I just was like, uh... Uh, I'm going to take a break. And then I haven't been back to it since. Yep. <laughs> so, I can totally see it. Yeah, I I like Jumpstart so much. It's such a cool format. I want them to reprint the one that's already out there. I want them to do another version of it. I want Jumpstart edition number two, whatever that is. Like, I hope that they build Jumpstart as more and more of a format as time goes on. It would be fantastic. Like, it, it is such a good idea. Yeah, I love it. Um, I'm going to go number one first because yeah. I think yours is a good thing to end on. So... My number one this year was Ghost of Tsushima. And I think I called it when I said it that this might be my game of the year. It still absolutely is my game of the year. Um, I gave, I platinumed this game. I 100%ed the map. Like I did everything that you can do in this game. And 
I just love it. I love the setting. I love the way that they've taken all these concepts from other open world games like stealth or going in loud or, you know, factions controlling different regions. And they made it into such a cohesive whole with such a level of polish that's incredible, right? The fact that you can be a samurai and you can just walk up and challenge people and you can get into the samurai standoff duel that is one of the coolest gameplay mechanics I've seen this year um, are those standoffs. Or you can go into ghost mode and you can just sneak in and you can stealth your way through the entire thing. And both of them feel totally legitimate. They both feel really good um, in ways that like, you know, Assassin's Creed this year, I know I've talked about it a couple times. It's like, I feel like as a Viking, I kind of have to go loud and all of the stealth stuff is secondary. Ghost of Tsushima, it feels like you can be a stealthy ghost or you can be just a straight up samurai. And they designed everything in the game to be both of those. And it just works. It works all the way through. Um, Not to mention the theme and just the beauty of this game, right? Like, I don't talk about graphics a whole lot, but the sense of place and the sense of like setting that this game gives you um you know going through like a japanese forest in the fall and just being surrounded by like falling leaves um it it's just it's amazing like i love this game i love this game top to bottom the whole way through i enjoyed every minute with it it's my game of the year without a doubt and you played this on an original playstation 4 you didn't play this on a pro that so you haven't had like the even the the spectacular experience that it was that was designed for it that you've played the i guess the base experience because it does get enhanced on a ps4 pro right yeah it does or on a ps5 but the thing is it's like it's not the fidelity of the graphics that mattered it was the art direction right you know um the art direction in the game is just amazing because it it, it doesn't matter it's not that it looked bad it didn't look bad at all um it's just that i'm sure it would run at more frames per second and i'm sure it would be crisper with higher quality textures if i played it on you know ps4 pro or ps5 but that wasn't the important thing the important thing was the feel and the sense of place that it gave me and that was through the art direction right. and all of the other work around it it wasn't just due to the graphics have you played um, it on ps5 yet have you installed it and just tried it to see about like the uh, the smoothness and crispness of the uh, motions and stuff no because like i i got everything i wanted out of it right like i 100 percent of the game i platinum the game like i don't need to go back to it because it was such a wonderful self-contained experience that i finished and then i've walked away from and i've thought about over and over since then but i don't actually need to go back and replay it like i just don't feel that drive for this game but it's still my game of the year because it was such a good time i can totally see it like it's one that uh it was such a a kind of touchstone when it came out and then i stopped hearing people talk about it except you who it just it mattered to you like it, it hit that chord that perfect right art like and it really was that art chord where it's like this is more than a game to you and i'm glad about that like i'm it makes me want to play it where i was not interested at all for it yeah and the other thing of note here is that three out of my top five games this year are open world and i don't know if this was luck of the draw and the games we got this year but maybe this was because of covid and the fact that like i can't actually go out into the world the way that we used to do i go to the store and i go to work and that's kind of it you know um so having spider-man spider-man miles morales and then having um man eater and having ghost of tsushima all in my top five um I, I don't normally have that many open world games up here but this is a very fitting year to have that yeah it really is which is actually a pretty good segue into my number one where the my number one this year is animal crossing new horizons 
And again, this is a game that came as a complete surprise because I've never played an Animal Crossing game and I didn't understand the draw to an Animal Crossing game. But when this game was released, I got it one week after the release. And during that first week, I heard so many people love this game, talk about how great it was. And from people who had never played an Animal Crossing game that I had to give it a shot. Uh, Loved it so much that I went out and bought a second Switch so that my wife and I could play at the same time and have our own islands without having to share. And we played every day almost all day whether or not we should have or not like it was (laughs) like like it 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 obviously got work done we did our jobs but it was when we weren't we were playing animal crossing and it gave us like you were talking about that open world thing because we couldn't go do this stuff it gave us an outlet to be able to do that we were able to go to our family and friends islands and interact with them we could get on the phone with somebody and be on their island and have fun in real time in something that they had created and considered theirs. It wasn't like getting on an MMO and running a dungeon. It was simple social interaction. It wasn't trying us trying to accomplish a goal together. It wasn't us trying to beat this boss and banging our heads against it and getting frustrated. It was, hey, look at this thing I made. Excuse me. It was wholesome. It was delightful. And it was exactly what everyone in the world needed who got a part of this. I don't think this game would have been as successful at any other time. I don't think that I would like it as much at any other time. I did learn I like this kind of game, and it's made me really look forward to Rune Factory 5 whenever it comes out on the Switch, Uh, and it's made me go back to that kind of farming game with a whole new kind of perspective. So I learned I liked a genre that I never thought I did, although I also learned I just don't like Stardew Valley. I keep trying it, and it's just not a game for me, even though I like other ones. So, you know, I've gone back over and over again. Can't do Stardew. I wish I could. Um, but it, I, I recognize why other people do. But Animal Crossing has given me this look at this genre of games that is completely foreign to me, invited me in, got me, got its hooks in me, and it keeps me coming back every holiday, every update. Like we were doing on Thanksgiving night, my wife and Riley were sitting side by side on each other's islands doing things for the Thanksgiving event. Um, I actually didn't. I didn't. My Switch was dead. Uh, My my Switch Lite that I bought for Animal Crossing, uh, I'd let the battery die and couldn't bring it uh, with me that night. But uh, watching them do the turkey, the, the turkey day event is what it was called. And it was just fun. It was wholesome. It was family bonding. And like we have our family bubble where it's just me and me, my wife and me, our sister-in-law and her her family and uh, my father-in-law and mother-in-law because uh, he's sick. So we have our family bubble that we're together and don't interact with other people. And so being able to even do that with Animal Crossing in the beginning when even we couldn't be together was amazing. I've dumped 300 more than way more than 300 hours into it right now. Um, I know Jennifer has more than I did because I had kind of moved to some other games while she had uh, stuck with it. Uh, so she's probably a hundred hours ahead of me on it. Like we have put in a lot of time with animal crossing because it kind of exemplified everything that we needed in 2020. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it filled that role for a lot of people, right? Um, I'm pretty sure that Animal Crossing New Horizons is going to go down in history as one of the most perfect release timings for a game ever. Yeah. Because there's no way they could have planned for it to release right at the beginning of a global pandemic that only happens once in a hundred years, right? <laughs> right. Like, there, it's just it was kind of a freak accident in the best way possible. And I think that it gave everybody an outlet. If, if like I played this game, right? I played this game for like a month, a month and a half. Right. And so did my kids. And so did like everyone I know, even people that are only like um, vaguely gamers or that I didn't even know were gamers. And they came out of the woodwork, people at work that were saying like, oh yeah, I played Animal Crossing this weekend. And I was like, I didn't even know you had a switch. Like, let's talk more about that. Um, and it's, it gave people this outlet right as the pandemic was picking up, right when everybody needed it, um, as we were all kind of freaking out because we didn't know what COVID was. We didn't know how contagious it was, how deadly it was. It was like there were so many unknowns and there was just this sense of panic. So it was everybody was kind of staying inside in a way that's not true anymore. Um and it gave people an outlet when they needed it. Yeah. And I know that for plenty of people, it has been that outlet the entire time. And it's been this like comforting, consistent presence that they can go back to, right? You're one of them. My parents are another one. Yeah. This is like, if my parents had a games of the year, they don't really play that many games. My mom does a bunch of like mobile games and stuff. My dad doesn't really play games that much in general. Both of them have been playing Animal Crossing basically every single day since they got it. Oh, and wow. I didn't know they kept incredible. up with it. I knew they started it. I didn't know they kept up with it all this time, too. That's fantastic. Yeah. And like, you know, they bought a Switch to get it and try it. And then my mom loved it. So they bought a second Switch so they could play together. And now they play Animal Crossing together. And I think it's one of the cutest things I've ever heard. Oh, my um, God. They actually I know my mom's did, listening to this. I didn't know that they got a second Switch. I knew that they were playing yeah. it initially. Like they had tried it. Like I had no idea that they actually did it to get the two islands as well. Like I that that's fantastic. Like you're right. That's one of the best things. Like I'm. I'm so happy right now. Yeah, my parents are adorable. It's it's wonderful. And I know my mom listens to this, so hi mom, you guys are adorable. Um <laughs> so yeah, like I this is why I wanted to end on Animal Crossing because you know, even though Ghost of Tsushima, that's the one that's a game that like resonated with me this year. I think Animal Crossing is like it deserves the game of the year for like the globe, right? Just yeah. for the impact that it had on people um at the time that it was needed. Yeah, really. I mean, I think that this game should win game of the year. I don't think it's going to on any of the uh probably the 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 voting sites and everything i think that a more traditional triple a game is going to get it but i really 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 100 percent believe that animal crossing is the game of the year because i think it helped save a lot of i, I honestly 100 percent hand up think that it saved people's lives because of being able to have a social outlet and being able to see good in the world at a time when a lot of people were very scared. And I think it deserves yeah. a lot of attention for that. A lot more attention than the crazy amount of attention that it got for that. Yes, I'd agree with that. Um, and that's it for our games of the year. Uh, we are going to do our best of the rest like we always do. That'll be next week. And then we're going to take a week or two off, which we've never done yeah. in the history of the podcast. But we've made it like five seasons now. Yep. So we're going to start letting ourselves off the hook a little bit and take some hiatuses uh, going forward. Not super often, but we're going to give ourselves that out. And to make sure that I stick by that, I'm forcing us to take at least one week off because otherwise I'll just feel like I have to keep putting stuff in the feed. Yeah, this um, is over 250 episodes of never missing a week of anything. This is when life happens and we need to not worry about having something in the feed. 
we'll let you know on Twitter and stuff like that. We're we're still doing this. We're going into our sixth season, and we're we couldn't be more excited. It's just we're going to let ourselves breathe a little every once in a while. Yes. So, yep, next week should be like normal. We'll have uh, best of the rest to wrap up the year, wrap up the season, and then we'll take at least a week off, and then we'll be back with season six shortly after that. With that said, uh, you can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address, as always, is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. And like we mentioned earlier in the episode, we really do have great discussions on Slack and Discord. Uh, Make sure that you go to geek2geekmedia.com. You'll find the invite links there. And check out all of the stuff that we've got. We've got other content like uh, blogs and video game reviews, uh, columns, and even a digital magazine press start. So check it out. Yep, I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the Disney Forever podcast, where we watch and react to a different Disney movie every week. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beej. It's Beej with two E's, and I also co-host the Dragon Quest FM podcast, a show about the Square Enix RPG series. We've been Void and Beach with your geek to geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Thanks, everybody. Bye. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the geek to geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games. Star Wars. Comics. Movies. K-pop. Disney Plus. Keanu. Keanu Reeves. New. Or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes. Keanu.